this summer. Your local movie theater will become a tent revival for proclaiming Jesus. And you're invited to be a part of this unique evangelistic campaign. Join with Believers Nationwide for the Million Souls Campaign to bring unsaved family and friends to watch the powerful new movie, The Firing Squad, starring Kevin Sorbo and Cuba Gooding Jr. The Firing Squad tells the incredible true story about prisoners who find faith in the face of execution and transform their prison in the process. As the movie ends, co-star Kevin Sorbo comes on the screen to lead the entire theater in a prayer to commit one's life to Jesus Christ, providing an on-site opportunity to introduce family and friends to the message of Jesus. Go to FiringSquadFilm.com and learn how you can receive free tickets and more to the Firing Squad and participate in this unique theater event. Bring your friends and your family and bring your faith. That's FiringSquadFilm.com to learn more. Or 10 from former President Trump. <laughs> I like former President Trump even more now. Details in 60 seconds. It's the Glenn Beck Program. Jeff Katz, happy to be sitting in for my my pal Glenn on a beautiful morning. Now, I am uh, coming across news about the income tax returns. Oh, my God. This is horrible, Jeff. Oh, you're going to have to take a look at this. Did you know that Donald Trump made a lot of money? Well, yeah, I, I did, actually. I've, I've, I've heard about it for years. I've actually read his books, right? The Art of the Deal, The Deal of the Art, The Art of the Art. What, 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 the Art of the Deal, that's the one. I sat back after reading that and thought, I got to read that again. There was so much information to be gleaned. I've looked at Donald Trump over the years and thought, man, good for you. You figured this all out. You figured it out a lot better than I did, that's for sure. And now I learn that Donald Trump didn't pay a lot in income taxes. You do realize delusional, desperate Democrats, that what you've done is to now endear former President Trump to even more of America because we already believe we're paying too much in taxes. I'm always puzzled by this. I really, honest to good am. I I, I just, I want to share this. That's who is this? Uh, Politico. All right, Politico, left to center, blah, 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 blah. Former President Donald Trump repeatedly paid little or nothing in federal income taxes between 2015 and 2020, despite reporting millions in earnings. You know what I want to do? I want to give President Trump a round of applause. Good for him. Millions in earnings, 
a minimal amount in income tax. Isn't that what we're all trying to do? No, I'm not telling you you cheat on your taxes. Nobody wants anybody cheating or lying or concealing or any of that stuff. I get it. But the reason that there are accountants and tax preparers available to you, well, available to me, available to everybody, is because those folks understand what's in the 87 billion pages of tax regulations. I don't understand it. I mean, I, I do my, my, my thing and I go, oh, well, here's, uh, let me look at my, uh, my W-2. I made this much. <laughs> I used to make so much more, but okay, I made this much. How many kids do I have? I got three. Uh, one of them, by the way, is at Stanford, even though I'm a proud American. We'll talk about that in a moment. And so I got, I got three kids. Can I take the puppies? No, seriously, Heidi, I love the puppies more than the kids. Don't tell the kids, but I do. I, I, I No, are you sure? I mean, they eat every day and they go to the doctor and they, and they whiz and they poop. They're just like kids, except they're furry and they actually like me and they care what I... No, all right. Can't, can't claim the puppies. Fine. All right, so we're back to our tax forms. Uh, some of my deductions, of course, written on the back of a napkin, covered up with barbecue sauce. Got to look the barbecue sauce. Oh, look, I spent $11 in postage. Yeah, that all, that's going to make a difference. I'm going to... Uh, yeah, I'm going to put that right in there and... Okay, so I do mine. It's relatively straightforward. Relatively. I have my employment. I have a small business. And it's really small. It's painfully small sometimes, but there it is. And I I don't actually do anything now that I think about it. I just put the numbers in, and then the magic online program says you can do this, and you can do that, and you can do this, but don't do this, and and no, you can't claim the puppies. Okay, all right, fine. And I I trust the magical computer. It's like an IRS Etch-A-Sketch or whatever, but, but I do. And then what happens? I get a minimal amount of money back most years. That's it. I'm done. Now, let's say just, you know, for the sake of argument, we'll spitball here for a second. Let's say I'm making, I don't know, a billion dollars a year, which is about mm, a billion times more than what I make. You think I'm going to use the same computer program? Do you think I'm going to take out my shoebox filled with napkins and barbecue sauce deductions and my half-empty book of stamps to, to say that that was a business expense because I, I, I mailed six letters last year? No. I am willing to bet that if I make a million or a hundred million or a half a billion or a bi- whatever it is, maybe I'm Homer Simpson. I made one kajillion dollars last year. And you do remember Homer, the, the great political and family philosopher of our time, an expert on economics. Homer Simpson once said, I used to have three monies and no kids. And now I have three kids and no monies. Oh, so very true. So very true, Professor Simpson. So you're making big bucks or what I consider to be big bucks. Do you trust me to do it on my computer? No. You go to somebody who actually understands all of the inane babble that is government regulation and they look for every single solitary thing that they can take off your taxes. Oh, by the way, 
I'm still not clear. And of course, the the outraged leftists in between screaming and wetting the beds and looking for rose colored glasses and, you know, throwing darts at their Donald Trump dartboard. I can't figure out. Is this Donald Trump's personal income? Is it the business income? And if it is business, which business? As I understand it, former President Trump is involved in countless businesses, each of which, I'm going to go out on a limb here, is incorporated somewhere and files a separate tax return with separate activities. Now, now Politico wants to hit on this. In 2016, Donald Trump paid $750. The following year, he again paid $750. In 2020, he paid nothing. Oh, the horror. Then they go on, now listen to this. This is the part that is just, oh, it's so insightful. It's painfully insightful. Though the IRS has a long-standing policy of automatically auditing every president, Democrats say the agency did not begin vetting Trump's filings until they began asking about them in 2019. Are you telling me now that poking around in somebody's income tax returns can happen because some politician somewhere doesn't like the other person? Boy, that's a little dangerous, don't you think? The revelations, which came after House Democrats voted Tuesday to make Trump's returns public. Oh, this is the other thing. Why do I have a right to look at Donald Trump's tax returns? I don't believe I have that right. I don't believe I have that right any more than I have the right to look at your tax returns. If you want to stand and tell me, hey, you know, I didn't make any money last year. I'll take your word on that. If you want to if you want to come up to me and say, hey, Jeff, you know how much I made last year? Uh, my first response is, eh, don't really care, but okay. Jeff, I made $1.7 million. I would say congratulations. You want to see my tax return? Nope. Are you sure? Yeah, I really am. Jeff, I didn't make any money last year. You want to see my tax return? No. The revelations, which came after House Democrats voted Tuesday to make Trump's returns public, marks the culmination of the long-running mystery of what's in his filings. I would dare say it's none of our business. It promises to create yet another controversy for the scandal-plagued Trump. One that is sure to shadow his bid to return to the White House and raise uncomfortable questions for his fellow Republicans. Listen, I don't care. Politico also says it's a last-minute victory for Democrats. Wow. Now, all the while they're focusing on this. All the while they are focusing on this. They are ignoring, well, everything else. Our country is headed straight down a mountain, right? President Magoo is driving. He doesn't have his peepers on. Slow Mo Joe is, is, is wandering around the Oval Office in his, in his terry cloth bathrobe and his, his fuzzy bunny slippers. Looking for ice cream and trying to figure out when the murder she wrote marathon is going to be on, right? Oh, it's okay. No, just, just ignore that. Move along. Nothing to see there. But 
you want to focus on how much Donald Trump did or did not pay in tax. Oh, here's the punchline, right? Far down in the so-called reporting. In 2015, Trump reported making more than $50 million through a combination of capital gains, interest, dividends, and other earnings. Good for him. That was offset, though, by more than $85 million in reported losses. Well, that's the way this works. Maybe you don't like the way it works, which is totally okay with me. If you want to look at it and say, hey, I don't like the way this works, we got to change, then you do that. But you cannot fault someone for playing by the rules that you wrote. It's craziness, isn't it? Now you have figured out, gosh, where's where's Glenn? How come Pat and Stu aren't around? Who's Jeff Katz? All right, Jeff Katz, ordinarily heard on News Radio WRVA in Central Virginia. Absolutely love uh, my home base here in Central Virginia. A couple of things I want to tell you about in terms of contact, at least while I'm sitting in here for Glenn. You can uh, hit me up on Twitter or Facebook. Look for The Jeff Cat Show on either one. And by the way, over on Twitter, now that Elon Musk has has taken over, man, I'm back on Twitter. I, I took a pause because I thought, well, I've lost like 20,000 followers just all overnight. They went, well, we, we don't care anymore. I thought that's not true. But that's what happened. Now Elon is back, and I'm trying slowly but surely to rebuild that. So if you want to give me a follow over there, Jeff Cat Show on Twitter, I'd appreciate it. And I'll see if they stick around. Because it used to be I'd sit in for Glenn. All of a sudden, 100,000 people would say, yep, we like you. We're going to follow you. And then an hour later, they were all gone. I'm, I'm rounding there, rounding up, rounding down. But if you give me a follow on Twitter, I'd appreciate it. Jeff Cat Show. And I'll figure out just how effective Elon's uh, takeover of Twitter has been. If you'd rather send an email, Jeff at thejeffcatshow.com. Love to read it. Jeff at thejeffcatshow.com. I will remind you every single day, you should be checking out multiple times a day, theblaze.com, as well as glennbeck.com. Amazing things there. Insightful, brilliant. Uh, They are must-reads for me each and every day. All right, how can I, as a proud American, have a son at Stanford? We'll explore that in just a moment. It is Jeff Katz in for my friend Glenn. It is the Glenn Beck Program. Jeff Katz in today for Glenn. It is, of course, the Glenn Beck Program. Be sure to check out theblaze.com and glennbeck.com every, I would say every couple of minutes. I'm telling you, there's more stuff there that you need to see. Stanford University, I am so proud that my uh, my oldest boy goes to Stanford. Uh, he went there. He was actually the smartest guy in the world, and then he got there, and he was surrounded by all sorts of other people who eh, were also the smartest people in the world, at least in their, their home high schools. He's been there now. Uh, he's a junior. Kind of took that COVID year off came back, and I remember the phone call to this day. Hey, Dad, uh, looks like they're closing campus down for a week or two, so can you buy me an airplane ticket home? Uh, Sure, sure I can. You can bring in stuff back? Nah, it's only going to be two weeks. He was here for the entire COVID experience. COVID hysteria. COVID theater. You, You remember that, right? They're trying to bring it back now. They are. Take a look around. Oh, the New York Times says, well, everybody should wear masks again. Why? What is it, Halloween? Are we all going to be holding up banks? Why, why, would I, why would I wear a mask? I didn't like wearing the mask before. And quite frankly, I looked at people who were wearing masks and I'm thinking, 
you do realize that's doing nothing for you, right? It's supposed to cover your nose and your mouth. You've got it under your chin like you're trying to keep your jaw in place. Or you're wearing on on the top of your head like it's, I, I don't know, uh, um, a, a kippah that I'm going to wear to services, but I, I'm worried about the wind. I mean, it just, it, it, it looks ridiculous. Half the people wearing these bandanas covered with mayonnaise and ketchup, you know exactly what they had for lunch. And they want to bring that back. Anyway, so, so he comes home. He's going to be here for two weeks. Winds up being here for the entire COVID experience. Finally, we get him back on campus. He's back amongst his people. You know, these are, and they are, they're his people. Stanford University, wonderful institution, unbelievably expensive. I would have thought, because I'm wearing a Stanford uh, sweatshirt right now, I would have thought with all we pay, the very least, they would have sent me a free sweatshirt or a baseball cap. Nope, nothing. Stanford says, uh, we have to eliminate harmful language. We're going to eliminate it from the school's websites and their computer codes, and they would really prefer that you not use the language either. The Elimination of Harmful Language Initiative is a multi-phase, multi-year project to address harmful language in IT at Stanford. And the goal is to eliminate, and I'm quoting here, many forms of harmful language, including racist, violent, biased Language. Now, the bias covers disability bias, ethnic bias, ethnic slurs, gender bias, implicit bias, sexual bias, and bias one, get one free. There are 10 harmful language sections, ableist, ageism, colonialism, culturally appropriate, gender-based, imprecise language, institutionalized racism, person-first, violence, and then the all-encompassing additional considerations. Now, among the words that need to be removed, American. Don't say American. Use the phrase U.S. citizen because, according to Stanford, American typically refers to people from the United States only, thereby insinuating that the U.S. is the most important country in America. People in the United States only insinuate the U.S. is the most important country in the Americas. Uh, They point out the Americas actually comprise 42 countries. Well, if I could raise my hand for just a second here, uh, Professor, uh, the United States of America is the most important country in the Americas. Now, I know you like Canada, even though they're getting ready to, you know, eliminate as many people as possible. Oh, we're going to have assisted suicide, Jeff. What does that mean? Eh, people are sucking up all the resources. We got to be done with them. And, and we like, well, we like everybody in the Americas. They're all good people. And, and you know, every country is equal, except they're not. Except the reality is, the United States of America is the most important country in the Americas. You may not like it, folks at Stanford, but it's the fact. Other terms that have been deemed harmful include the word abort. Oh, because, you know, that makes you think about um, uh, infanticide. We don't want to do that. Instead, use the word cancel or end. Oh, and don't say child prostitute. Say a child who has been practiced. Trafficked. And, and don't say Karen. Well, that one I agree with. Instead, use the phrase demanding or entitled white woman. I'm not crazy about that. Under the ableist section, use the word accessible parking instead of handicapped parking. Say uh, anonymous review instead of blind review. And don't use the word tone deaf. Mm-hmm. Listen, gang. I understand. We all want to be nice. We want to be polite. 
We, we want to be, well, whatever it is that we want to be. And I'm more than willing to help you out on that. But what I'm not going to do is play games. It's like preferred pronouns. My preferred pronouns, as given to me by a friend, your majesty, your royal highness. Can I get away with those if I am, you know, delusional? <laughs> we'll talk about it. Jeff in for Glenn. It is the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. It's the Glenn Beck Program. Jeff Katz happened to be sitting in for Glenn. Do you remember when you had your uh, <clears throat> uh, in- in- installed, you know, your uh, south of the border? Remember when you had your, your your equipment installed? The reason I bring it up, I'm not trying to be overly intrusive or completely and totally nosy, but I'm uh, I- I'm looking on Twitter. A uh, woman by the name of Kara Dansky writes on issues related to women. Kara, like, well, just about everybody that I know is concerned about women who are being canceled in this you-can-just-be-whatever-you-say-you-are culture that is now rising up. Kara says, hey, wait a minute now. Women are women. It goes back to this whole XX doesn't equal XY and XY doesn't equal XX. And it really doesn't matter how you dress or what you say or how you behave. There are just certain things that that are what they are. You're a hater. You are transphobic. No, and I'm not a hater. If you're an adult, fully formed, functioning adult... And you make a decision. You say, you know, I, I know I've, I've always been a guy, but I'm kind of like Shania Twain. I, I, I feel like a woman. Okay. Well, you know what? Live your life. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to yell at you. I'm, I'm not going to harass you. And in fact, whether you realize it or not, I will protect you from someone who wants to hurt you. See, a thousand years ago, I was a police officer. And I was a cop in Philadelphia way, 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 way back a long time ago. And I, I still have that, that sheepdog mentality. Do you ever look at sheep? Sheep just wander around, eating grass, doing, you know, sheep things, whatever those might be. And they just keep wandering, and they will wander off. Sheep are a couple of things. Number one, they're tasty. Number two, they're not that smart. And sheep are also... They're the living embodiment of the term prey. And they can't protect themselves. I mean, think about it. A wolf comes into the, the sheep neighborhood, starts shopping for dinner. What's the sheep going to do? Uh, if you'll hang on for a month or two, we'll knit you a beautiful sweater. 
No, I'm hungry tonight, but thank you. So you need sheepdogs. Sheepdogs protect the sheep from the wolves. Really what they do, the sheepdog protect the sheep from the sheep. So I still have that mentality of being a sheepdog. I I will step in between you if you have decided, well, I am really a woman. I'm really a man, whatever it is. And that subjects you to some sort of abuse. I won't let somebody bully you. I won't let somebody attack you and hurt you. But I'm also not going to be part of whatever game you are playing. So you know, and I know, genitals are not installed. And that's where this tweet from Kara Dansky brings us. She, she, she sent out a tweet and she says, this guy thinks a, oh, and I, I do have to caution everybody about language. We're all very protective now, and uh, I'm very protective for fear that uh, I say something that somebody is not going to uh, like inside, you know, the government apparatus. And, and then I, 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 I'd have to get a real job, and I'm not actually qualified for a real job, so I'll just I'll couch this. All right. Uh, this guy thinks a <clears throat> can be installed. Women, please use this space to tell your installation stories. <laughs> it's a great tweet. But even better, and what is inspirational for Kara, is the initial tweet. The nurse practitioner helping me schedule my uh, genital installation called me a trans male. I literally am so blanking done. I have been getting misgendered and ridiculed by health providers for two GD years. The one field that I figured that would have their blank together is the department in charge of getting my damn installed. I'm never going to stop getting misgendered. I am so blanking exhausted. Well, sir, I... I think you've answered all of your own questions with that little tirade. Everything you just said there is is a piece of information you ought to examine. But if you do remember the genital installation that you had done, by all means, you let me know. One eight 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 seven two seven Beck. One triple eight seven two seven B E C K. You can also hit me up on social media. Jeff Cat Show over on Twitter. Jeff Cat Show over on Twitter. Please feel free to uh, to shoot a tweet in that direction. Facebook, you're looking for the Jeff Cat Show. Me, I, I I I haven't had an installation. I just came with standard equipment. Never upgraded. Never traded it in. Never went looking for the newer models. And that would be an interesting shopping experience, wouldn't it? Hey, what are you going to get for for Christmas? Are you getting Hanukkah gifts? Oh yeah, yeah. What are you going for? Well, you know, they got the uh, the new 2022 <clears throat> and, and uh, 2022. <clears throat> really? Yeah. Are they on the shelves? Yeah. Uh, what kind of mileage you get on those? And, and what's the maintenance and upkeep? Because I think that's where the real expense comes with all of this, isn't it? I mean, it, it's it's they're not not cheap. Well, yeah, I know. But, you know, it's 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 one of those things that. Uh, you want to invest in the best. 
That's true. That's true. What about used models? Are you ever able to pick up used models? Yeah, every once in a while, you go to a, a, a store and you, you'll see the used models. Look on Amazon or Craigslist or eBay. Might even say gently used. Okay, yeah. Owned by a married suburban dad with three kids. Oh, yeah, that's, that's going to be like in pristine condition, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. No doubt about that. You'll be able to get a deal on that one. His kid goes to Stanford, as I understand it. Oh, that's expensive. What are they doing at Stanford? Eh, telling you can't use language. Great. Great. I'm actually going for the family visitation to Stanford in February. And it's going to be an interesting experience. This year, I was officially declared permanent Permanently, partially disabled. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's just like winning the lottery, except there's, there's no money and there's a lot of pain and there's surgery and stuff like that. But otherwise, it's exactly the same thing. But what it means is travel has become really difficult, except, and you're going to think this is crazy, except for airplane flights. Why? Because I get on the airplane and I take medication and fundamentally I sleep. So that's the easiest part. February, I'm going to fly from Central Virginia out to California and get to go on the Stanford University family tour, which is great. I'm really looking forward to this. Beautiful campus. I, of course, want to spend time visiting the Hoover Institution, which is where the really, really, really smart people get to hang out. You know, Peter Schweitzer, who's done all that great work exposing the uh, Biden folks, or as I like to call them, La Josa Nostra, because doesn't it seem like it's just a whole family of grifters? Right there. They've always been working an angle, a con, a game. But Peter Schweitzer was a media fellow at Hoover for many, many years. And of course, now Peter heads up a bunch of different organizations and, and does all that great writing. But That's what Hoover Institution is all about at Stanford. So I want to go there. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be like a sponge. I'm going to be like one of those incoming freshmen. I'm going to look around, stare at all the big buildings, and try and take in everything that is Stanford. And maybe I'll figure out why so many really brilliant people just can't deal with honest words. We'll tackle one more ableist. Oh, gosh. This is one of those that just turns my stomach just like you would not believe. Remember, on Twitter, Jeff Cat Show. If you don't mind giving me a follow over there, I would appreciate it simply because now that Elon Musk has taken over Twitter, he bought it, and now he, he did the poll. Oh, do you want me to remain as CEO? Do you really think a guy that has $44 billion to buy Twitter is trusting me to decide whether he should be the CEO? Somehow, I've got a, I've got a sense he's already figured out what he's going to do. But anyway, uh, during the old regime, remember Jack and all the uber leftists that were busy shutting down conversation and speech and dissent and journalism and reporting? You remember that. I lost thousands of people, so I'm trying to rebuild it and... If you'd give me a hand, I'd appreciate it. Jeff Cat Show on Twitter, The Jeff Cat Show over on Facebook. If you'd like to give that a, la- a like, I'd, I'd 
you know, hey, I'd, I'd appreciate that. Jeff in for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. It's the Glenn Beck Program. Jeff Katz, happy to be sitting in for Glenn. Over on Twitter, Jack says, Jeff, I never heard of you. I'm listening to you right now, and you're good. Oh, thank you. I will take that. Which is more, by the way, most of my family. I told you, the oldest boy goes to Stanford. I try to work that into every single solitary comment, every sentence, every, well, I don't know, every six minutes. If I can work into conversation the fact that my oldest son goes to Stanford, then I feel better about myself. I think of just how smart he is. And and if you have any questions, you just ask him. I just can't figure out what they're doing on campus. And that's why I really am excited about going out there, seeing what actually happens out there. I don't know if I'm allowed into classes. I don't think I am. I think it's more, uh, hey, look at this beautiful building, and uh, that's a beautiful building, and that's where your kid goes to class in that beautiful building, but I'll, I'll file a full report. Sarah, sa- <laughs> Sarah sends a great tweet. He says, hey, Jeff, I don't rem- remember my installation, but the upkeep is pretty intense. Hopefully, he gets a service plan. Yeah, I, I think you can get the extended warranties now. Not entirely sure, and I don't actually know what the uh, the deductible is on something like that. But even a solid used uh, is going to set you back, uh, you know. Ableist. This is the other term. Uh, other bigotry. The other bias. The other, I don't know. Did you ever know you were, quote, ableist? I'm in a unique position in regard to that. I have a daughter, Julia, who is disabled. Severely disabled. Julia is 19 years old, chronologically, but developmentally, Julia is about 18 months old. And Julia is always going to be chronologically about 18 months old. So we do a lot of diaper changing, and I'm here to tell you, 19-year-old young lady and dad, dad shouldn't be involved. Because a typically developing 19-year-old young lady would tell dad in rather colorful language, get out, get away from me, don't talk to me, don't do that, what are you thinking? But again, Julia is, chronologically, she's a baby, she's 18 months old. So I've seen and done stuff that I'd rather not, but I have. Most dads of a 19-year-old would not be in this situation. And that's fine. I'm not saying you should be. I'm just giving you a little background when I tell you that people like the folks at Stanford don't want you to be, quote, ableist. They want you to look at my daughter and say, oh, you know, Jeff, she's differently abled. And people are motivated by good intentions. Oh, Jeff, we don't want you to feel bad. I don't feel bad. I look at Julia every single day and I think to myself, what a blessing. Because Julia's never said a word to anybody and yet she has communicated with more people than I know. 
Julie has been able to touch people in ways that to me are just unimaginable. So please don't feel sorry for me. But also, let's not be silly. Let's not think up new and inventive terms. Oh, she's differently abled or she's slight. No, she's disabled. There's a long list of things she cannot do and it doesn't define her. It doesn't make her less of a person. It doesn't do anything except accurately, honestly describe her situation, which is there are many things over here on this side of the ledger that are negatives And there are plenty of things over here that are positives. We desperately need to be honest. I'll do my part. It's Jeff Katz in for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. today you may have already been referred to the department of justice for prosecution oh and president trump too details on all of it in 60 seconds Glenn Beck program. Jeff Katz happy to be sitting in for Glenn. Normally heard on News Radio WRVA, beautiful, beautiful Central Virginia. Contact details well, 1 727 Beck. That remains the same. 1 727 Beck. If you want to shoot me an email, happy to take a look at it. Jeff at thejeffcatshow.com. Jeff at thejeffcatshow.com. And then over on Facebook and Twitter, uh, you're looking for uh, Jeff Cat Show. And I'd appreciate a like or a follow over there. So I found found out the other day that the January 6th committee, it's not a commission, right? It's a committee comprised of, I don't know, the best and the brightest in Congress. I almost said that out loud in this series. Yeah, the best and the brightest in Congress. Who are we kidding? All right. So a bunch of partisan lunatics on the January 6th committee came to a conclusion we already knew they had, which is we don't like Donald Trump. We don't like him. We don't like him. We don't like him. Okay. Click your heels three times, Miss Cheney, and 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 leave. And and you too, Adam Kins and all of you. Just get out. Just get out. Get your stuff and get out. But they've referred former President Trump to the Department of Justice. I honest to goodness don't even know what that means. Do they call up Merrick Garland and go, hey, listen, you know how you hate Trump? Yeah, we hate him too. Can you do something about it? No, not really. Okay, thanks. 
Is it an email? Is it a is it a certified letter? Ooh, those are scary. You get a certified letter, you got to pay attention to that. What is it? I don't know. And what happens with it, I don't know. Fortunately, however, I do know the smartest lawyer on God's green earth. Joe Moreno is without question the most brilliant legal mind that I've ever had the pleasure to uh, to interact with. He's just just uh, the best of the best. Someone with a long distinguished career including as a prosecutor, a federal prosecutor. So if anybody's going to know about this, it's going to be Joe, and I'm happy to say Joe is joining us. Joe, welcome. Jeff, good morning, and uh, I hope I can live up to that very, very generous introduction. Good morning, well, sir. Well, you absolutely can. I know you can, because you really are the smartest lawyer on God's green earth. So, so explain this to me. The January 6th committee came to a conclusion that they don't like Donald Trump. Now what? Yeah, Jeff, I mean, people may have missed it, but a couple of days ago at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, there was a very slick very polished television presentation, right, that yep. was given by this committee in Congress um, and, and this sort of big conclusion that, yes, many of us saw, absolutely saw coming was a referral of charges to the Justice Department. Now, what does that mean? It really doesn't mean much at all. It's, it's very symbolic. Okay. It basically kind of projects that these people are unhappy with Donald Trump and John Eastman and a couple of other people. But it, it, it has absolutely no bearing on the Justice Department. It has no bearing in law. Uh, it is simply sort of an expression of their feelings. Um, and, and probably in the big picture, it almost makes the whole process more difficult rather than less. Huh. Um, okay. So what... what I'm not, I don't want to ask you to give a prediction because that's not fair. And and frankly, if you can do predictions, I need Mega Millions and Powerball because my wife has just gone really, really heavy into easy spirit shoes right about now and we need to diversify. But all right. So what happens next? Well, I mean, keep in mind, and, and there are principles in, in how our justice system works that you have to think. People on both sides of the political spectrum should want to work the same way. And that is that if anybody is to bring charges against anyone, whether it's little old me or whether it's the former president of the United States, it should be done by career, nonpartisan prosecutors in secret, right, Mm -hmm. you know, blab it to the New York Times ahead of time, and it should be an objective look at the facts and the law and then a decision made about whether to move forward with any charges or not. Full stop. So to do this effectively in public by one branch of the government whose job is not to execute the laws, it's to pass laws, right? Mm -hmm. And so this committee, the the entire existence of this committee was a bit of a farce, right? I mean, they're, they're supposed to form committees for the purpose of passing laws. So ostensibly, their creation was to look at the Electoral Count Act and figure out if we can improve the way we choose our Electoral College uh, votes. It was not to investigate and refer charges against somebody. So now the Justice Department, which is doing its thing, you know, on its own, now has this very public statement from Congress. And I don't care what they say. This was a very one-sided committee. Sure, they had two Republicans in name only. Yeah. But we all know this was, this was a very, very partisan exercise. So now, what's the Justice Department going to do? How are they going to, with a straight face, really say 
that they're going to make a decision when you have all this evidence in public, when you have all these people that are kind of like stirring up the pot saying, we really think Donald Trump should be charged. Um, I think the Justice Department, their job is much more difficult now to make a straight face decision. Oh, interesting. Interesting. So, I, I mean, the entire prosecutorial setup is so completely and totally different than this, uh, this this circus that we've seen. I mean, my goodness, Joe, these folks might as well have just jumped out of one of those little Shriners cars. It really was just a circus from beginning to end. And the Department of Justice, which I have to say, and I'm not a member of the bar. I, I go to the bar, but I'm not a member of the bar. I think Merrick Garland is the most politically motivated attorney general we've seen in the United States since uh, uh, since Dean. Uh, no, no, John Mitchell, John Mitchell. I mean, that's how far I'm going to go back because I just I think he's all about politics. But now it's left in the hands of career prosecutors. They want to make the attorney general happy, don't they? Well, so, I mean, ostensibly, they've appointed this special counsel, right, Jack? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he, he, he seems to be a left-leaning guy, although he's been a longtime prosecutor. But, so the, I mean, on paper, the idea is that he would make the decision, he and whoever's working for him at the department. Gotcha. In reality, it's hard to believe that both the attorney general and the White House mm-hmm. wouldn't know exactly what's going on and have a say in this. So yep. uh, it's a bit of a farce, really. Right. And, and again, you know... I, the fact that it's two years after the events happened, the fact that Donald Trump has indicated he's likely going to run for president again, uh, it's going to be very hard for the department to say, you know, cases don't get better with age. They've been looking at this for a long time. And for them now to say, we're going to make a, an objective determination after Congress has made it very clear what they want us to do, that's really difficult. And, and yeah. you know, there's the three big things that, you know, a committee like we saw the other day that just wrapped up. There's three major differences between that and a real prosecution. One is that all the facts and evidence have to be put on display, not just one side of the facts, right? Uh-huh. Second is that you actually have to apply the law. You can't make general sweeping statements. You actually have to prove element by element right. whatever charges you want to prove. And then third, of course, there's a defense, right? I mean, that was completely one-sided what we saw. And so yeah. any prosecutor, you know, knows that you're going to have to go up against a vigorous defense lawyer whose job it is to punch holes in your case. So that's very different in bringing a real prosecution than what we saw on Monday, which was a completely made-for-television, one-sided presentation. Joe Moreno is joining us, and he really is the uh, smartest lawyer on God's green earth, uh, a background that's just amazing. Uh, an attorney here in the United States, a solicitor in England and Wales, right? Very good. That's right. Uh, all right. Nice. Do you have the robes and the, and, and the wigs, by the way? No, I've never gotten that far, you know, oh. to, play, to play the part. Yeah. Oh, Joe, come there, on, man. Uh, you got to do that. I you, know. You've got to do that. Uh, Jamie Raskin is part of this committee, part of Congress. He says, listen, we've seen all we need to see, and it proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that Donald Trump can never be allowed to run for office again. That's the real motive here, right? And is Raskin anywhere close to the truth on that? Raskin had his chance, and it wasn't what happened, what just wrapped up on Monday. Okay. It was two years ago 
when Congress had the opportunity to impeach Donald Trump a second time, and they did, but they rushed it. They didn't take the time to, to look at the evidence. They didn't have the time, take the time to do it right. Mm-hmm. And they lost in the Senate, right? He was not convicted a second time. Yep. That was, if, if there's any function for Congress to investigate a president, that's the function. And they botched it up. They rushed it. They didn't get the result they wanted. And so what this committee effectively now, two years later, this is the impeachment investigation that Raskin, and he, he was one of the lead guys back then, right. didn't get right the first time. So they're trying to take a, a second bite at the apple. Ugh. And it's not going to go well. My, and I will make a prediction, Jeff. I don't see charges coming from the Justice Department. I think the case is too old. I think if there were a case, it would have been brought by now. And even the charges that the committee recommended, if you go through element by element, each one is a real stretch. So they might not like Donald Trump. They might not like how he conducted himself in the days and weeks leading up to January 6th. But that doesn't make it a crime. That's a stretch. And that's where I think you're going to lose a lot of people who kind of scratch their head and say, hey, this isn't Congress's job. This is the Justice Department's job. And if they had a case, they would have brought up by now. I okay. Well, listen, I I, I like that. I, I like what you're saying, and I I think it's going to be a very interesting play uh, as it as it unfolds. Now, I want to thank you, number one, Joe Moreno, for being here, who really is the smartest lawyer on God's green earth. And with all of your professional and academic accomplishments, the real one that hits me is that you are a loving, devoted husband and father to a beautiful family. How many are we up to in uh, the Moreno gang now? Jeff, we're up to nine, and wow. uh, they are wonderful, but they do, they sure keep us busy. <laughs> Predictions uh, number 10. Oh, no, no, no don't, don't tell me, but I, I do want to let you know, because I, I, I reviewed all of the paperwork. Jeff is a wonderful name, and Jeff Moreno, Jeff Moreno, Esquire, MD. That's got a ring to it, right? Colonel Jeff Moreno, MD, Esquire. What do you think? I, I will make sure that's at the top of the list <laughs> if we have a potential boy in the future. <laughs> You're an amazing man. God bless you, Joe. Merry Christmas to you and the gang. And uh, thank you again for making some time for us. Jeff, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. And thanks for having me, as always, my friend. There you go. That is Joe Moreno. He is the smartest lawyer on God's green earth. If you want to read more about Joe, I I put a couple of uh, little details up on social media. Give me a follow over on Twitter, Jeff Cat Show. Just trying to rebuild that. I'm doing my own experimentation now that uh, Elon Musk has moved in and he's hopefully riding the ship that is uh, Twitter, Jeff Cat Show over on Twitter. If you're with me on Getter, fantastic. Give a follow over there. Facebook, I'm everywhere. My gosh, it's like pollen in the springtime. But um, I would appreciate that. Did you know you're poor? <laughs> We're all poor. We'll, uh, uh, we'll complain collectively in just a moment. It is Jeff in for Glenn. It is the Glenn Beck Program. Glenn Beck program, Jeff Katz, News Radio WRVA in Central Virginia. Happy to be sitting in for Glenn. Everybody checks theblaze.com. I know that. Theblaze.com. Vital information, useful material. Check it 10, 12, 15 times a day. Fantastic. But please don't forget about glennbeck.com. I happen to be an unapologetic, unabashed fan of Glenn and his work, but I truly admire. So many of the personal activities that Glenn's involved in, and you can read about a lot of them, as well as get the the prep, if you will, when you sign up for uh, Glenn's emailing 
from glennbeck.com. No, it's not over the top. It's not intrusive or anything like that. I, I had occasion, I guess it's six weeks ago, seven weeks ago. I was in Dallas, Texas. And in addition to my day job, if you will, as a broadcaster, a talk show host, I've been doing this forever in a day. I also am, am developing, as best I can, speeches. I've given a, a boatload of speeches through the years. I don't know how many. Most of them tie into political issues or things I've discussed on the radio or yada, 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 yada. But in the last couple of years, I, I've really felt I, I have to do more. I, I, I'm going to say something now, and I know people, there are some people who will be so offended. Oh, my gosh. But I believe God is putting it on my heart to, to reach out to other special needs parents and say, hey, here's what we've been through for, for 19 years. Let me help you navigate this a little bit. Let me, let me give you a little inspiration, a little motivation as you're dealing with a son or a daughter. It could be other family members, but I, I think focus mainly on kids. So about six or seven weeks ago, I was in Dallas, Texas. I was selected to participate by the Ziegler organization in their Ziegler Legacy Certification. It's an amazing amazing group, right? Everybody not going, Ziggler? You mean like Zig Ziggler? Exactly. Now, the Ziggler organization, it's, 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 it's Zig's kids. They're adult children, of course, but, you know, and they continue to train people and lift people up and give people like me the tools to go out and help others. So anyway, I'm down there in Dallas, and I thought, if I have flown... 2,500 miles from Richmond, Virginia to Dallas, Texas, and I don't drop in to see Glenn, then shame on me, right? So I I do exactly that. And I just have to tell you about a little thing that happens there. Yes, I got a chance. We chatted, caught up on stuff, and Glenn said nice things about me, which is always nice to hear. I was wearing my Tecovis boots. My wife mocked me. I've heard Glenn talking about Tacovas for, what, a decade? And I've always wanted a pair. I "Ah, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Finally, for my birthday, I bought myself a pair. I said, that's it, I'm I'm a grown blank man. I mean, I didn't say that out loud where anybody could hear me, but that's what I'm thinking. So I bought myself a pair of the Tacovas boots, and I'm wearing them. By the way, when I got them, my wife said, what's in the box? And it's a big box. It says Tecovis all over. I said, they're boots from Tecovis. You, you bought the boots? Yeah. Why? I said, I've been hearing Glenn talk about them for a decade. Yeah. She said, you know, Glenn has a ranch. Yeah. You have a yard. You like barely get off the deck for goodness sakes. And you only get off the deck because you're going to get a beverage. Well, anyway, so I'm down there and where am I Tecovis? chat with Glenn, chat with some of the team. And then I got a chance to go over to the museum. I can't tell you how blown away I was by this museum. This is like the real museum of real American history. A beautiful facility with so many vital documents and and interesting artifacts. And I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to 
to see any of it or or hear about it. But man, if there's ever an opportunity to go, you take it. You take it. And you can see up close and personal firsthand just how these legacy news media hacks and the, the uber leftists in America have done horrible, horrible things to rewrite history and trash our history. God bless Glenn and his team for having it. It's Jeff Katz in for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Back Program. It's the Glenn Beck Program. Jeff Katz, happy to be sitting in for Glenn. 1 727 Beck, 1 727 B E C K. You are poorer today than you were last year and the year before that. I mean, we've all figured that out, right? Especially now with Christmas a couple of days away. For some of us, we're right in the middle of Hanukkah. 71% of employees are poorer as a result of Biden inflation. Now, that's not my number because that's calculated and you got to carry some number. And I don't, I don't do math. I'm not a, I'm not a math guy. I, I, don't, I don't solve for X. I was a blue book guy. You know, psychology, human services. I didn't want to solve for X. I couldn't solve for X. I wanted to tell you how you felt about solving for X. That's as close as I come. So there are numbers here. So I didn't do it. You, you got to take my word on this. It's Bank of America. Bank of America filled with people who do nothing but numbers. 71% of employees in the United States of America today are poor as a result of Biden inflation. That's up from 58% just a couple of months ago. So what happened? Well, you and I went looking for things. You can kind of, sort of, get away from the oppressive inflation, which, oh, we're supposed to be happy, right? Jeff, it came down. It's only like 7% now. Oh, fantastic. Remember what it was when the orange guy with the mean tweets was in office. It's 1%. You and I went looking for stuff. If you're like most guys, and I mean guys, you know, you, you know, look, your mileage may vary, I know, but uh, guys, for the most part, guys are not big shoppers and are not big shoppers on a regular basis. We, generally speaking, I know it's a sweeping generalization and and somebody will feel, uh, I don't know, triggered or offended or oppressed and eh, I don't care. But for the most part, guys don't go shopping as, as, an, as an activity. We do it like it's a reconnaissance exercise. I know what I need. I know what aisle it's on. I'm getting in. I'm getting out as quickly as possible. I don't want to take any enemy fire. I don't want to run into anybody. I don't want anybody asking me questions. And if there's not a price on it, forget about it. I'll find one that has a price on it because I am not standing at the checkout line waiting for them to find somebody who knows what the price is. So I go in, I get what I need, and I get out. 
women. I know, it's a sweeping generalization. Somebody's going to be offended and hurt and triggered. And again, I don't care. Women look at shopping as, generally speaking, a, a, a social activity. Oh, we should go to the mall. Why? That's my answer. Oh, we should go to such as... Why? What do we need? Well, we don't need anything. Then why are we going? If we don't need anything, it would seem to me the the prudent, intelligent choice to make is to sit here on the couch, relatively close to a bathroom, relatively close to the kitchen, which is filled with tasty snacks and enjoyable beverages. And more importantly, I, I don't really have to move. If I stay here long enough, I might become part of the couch. That's the goal, isn't it? But now we have to get stuff. We may not be going out to as many brick and mortar stores, but guys, we are still looking for gifts. And that's how we have realized, oh my gosh, something's happening. Whether it is Amazon or another online retailer. And the price for Everyday things has gone through the roof. We needed deodorant the other day. Not that we were stinky, but antiperspirant. But I looked in the cabinet and, well, we're out. And at the moment, there are five of us in the house. We, we are all adults. And so we need this, right? Everybody's got one. Well, mine is running down because I found that it was being used by four other people and nobody bothered to mention it. So... I thought, well, I need it tomorrow, and I really don't feel like going out. I don't want to deal with the crowds. I'm dressed for work, which means I'm in comfy sweatpants. And I, I don't want to go. So I do what any upstanding American would do. I go online. Do you know what they wanted for a Mitchum gel antiperspirant? It was six bucks. Six, six forty-seven, I think, to be exact. The last time I went to the store, it was $3. So I realized firsthand, oh my God, stuff has really gone up in price. What else am I looking at? What else are you looking at? You're going to the grocery store and you are finding that the prices have climbed and climbed and climbed. And those things that used to be just like ordinary things, chicken. Nobody gets excited because they're having chicken. Chicken is what you have because you, you need protein and you need calories and, and you have chicken. Ground beef. Again, yeah, nobody really gets excited about ground beef. Eh, you make hamburgers out of it. You can dress those up, some cheese, some bacon, another burger, more cheese, more bacon, another burger. Well, you, you know what I'm saying. So, so you can do that. Meatloaf. You can make a meatloaf. I love a nice meatloaf. But nobody gets excited by it. Steak, on the other hand, well, now you're talking. When I was growing up, steak was a treat. Here's what we had in my home as I grew up in Oxford Circle, the Oxford Circle section of Philadelphia. We had chicken, I would say, four times a week. Five times a week, we would have spaghetti and meatballs once a week, and then we'd have leftovers, generally speaking, but that was one of my dad's favorites. And then if we were lucky on that other night, week uh, day of the week number seven, wherever that happened to be placed, if we could afford it, because we were poor, 
I don't want to tell you we were lower class, we were this, middle class. We were poor. We were legitimately poor. That's okay. I mean, it is what it is. We would have steak if we could afford it because that was my dad's favorite. And it wasn't like each of us got a steak. My mom would go to the grocery store, the supermarket, get, as memory serves, probably two steaks. My dad got one full steak because, you know, it's the dad. And the rest of us split the other steak. It's just the way it was. Now, I've been blessed. I really have. We have the ability to go into a supermarket and we can buy fundamentally what we want. I don't have to worry that, oh, it's got to be a special occasion. It's got to be this. I have truly been very, very fortunate, thoroughly blessed. And so my wife doesn't have to cringe, but you know, she looks for a bargain. I go to the grocery store, same thing. I look for a bargain. But those bargains that we all used to look at as staples, the chicken and the ground beef, the cost for those have gone through the roof. And this is how we all know now. We don't have as much buying power. We don't have as much money. And then you factor in gifts. Whether we like it or not, the holidays, be it Christmas or Hanukkah, have become about gifts. We all want to give somebody something. We all want somebody to give us something. I'm not immune to that. You you go into my house right now, in terms of decorations, it looks like Martha Stewart exploded in there. My wife has got 10,000 different Christmas things, and I get my little section for Hanukkah. In all fairness, though, Hanukkah, when you stack it up against Christmas on the relative calendar, is not really as important on the Jewish calendar as, say, Christmas is on the Christian calendar. And we don't have a lot of the decorations. So I've got, I don't know, 18 different menorahs displayed out there. And Hanukkah music, we've got uh, we've got dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. Uh, we've got Adam Sandler with the Hanukkah song, and that's kind of about it. Christmas songs, I know, million of them. Great tunes. <laughs> I love listening to them. And so, so we're in that mode, but... We're also trying to figure out, what do we do for the kids? What sort of gifts are we going to get? And when you go to buy them, you realize just how little our dollar is buying now. Glenn's talked about it how many times, the Great Reset, that's what we're in the middle of. Your buying power is being decimated. Joe Biden shuffles in front of a television camera, babbles incoherently. Some other member of the White House spin team comes out and says, hey, you remember when the president said this? That's not what he meant. Here, here's a copy of what he was supposed to say, but he didn't say it. All the while, you're sitting back and saying, I I, I don't have any money. I, I can't afford this. I can't afford that. I can't buy that. Remember what one of the the lessons from Davos is. Oh, you're not going to own anything and you're going to be happy about it. I don't think so. At least not for me. But that is where we're headed. And this decimation of the American working family is part of this. Make no mistake, the leftists, the Democrats, the Joe Bidens and his acolytes, they're not looking to help anybody who's a working person. 
They're looking to take from you massive amounts of your money that you earned and give it to people they like more. And then if you dare to say, wait a minute, I worked for that, then somehow you're a hateful, terrible human being. It is so ugly. And man, oh man, it is real. Contact information today, remember, if you want to uh, shoot me an email, jeff at thejeffcatshow.com, jeff at thejeffcatshow.com. In fact, if you just go to that website, uh, thejeffcatshow.com, you can read all about me and and take a look at all of our stuff, jeff at thejeffcatshow.com. Social media, if you're on Facebook, if you're on Twitter, just look for Jeff Cat Show and give me a like, uh, give me a follow. I'd appreciate that. Don't use any of that, by the way, instead of theblaze.com or glennbeck.com. Make it a, a multifaceted trip, if you will. Jeff Katz from News Radio WRVA in Central Virginia. In today for Glenn, this is the Glenn Beck Program. Glenn Beck. Join the conversation. 888-727-BECK. It's the Glenn Beck Program. Jeff Katz, happy to be sitting in for Glenn today. I'm taking a look at a tweet. I know I've been talking a lot about Twitter, and it's been so long, frankly, since I've invested so much time chatting about Twitter. Why? Because there's a change. There's a big change that's happened in the last month or so. As Elon Musk bought the company and has been releasing these these files, which you only know about because you're listening to Glenn or you're going to uh, theblaze.com. The legacy news media hacks don't cover it, right? All of those real reporters and serious journalists, the uber left water carriers who have been deployed to newsrooms around America, they, they won't cu- cover it. They're outraged. Oh, my God. There's, there's, there's some privacy there. What privacy? We're, we're seeing here how there was cooperation between the government and this private entity. See, everybody who's told us, well, it's not a First Amendment issue. Well, now it's a First Amendment issue. Now it is about free speech, isn't it? Because you have government folks involved in this. Listen, I don't hate the government. I'm not one of those guys. My dad worked for the federal government his entire life. He came out of the army. He was a military police officer, wound up working for the federal government for about 40 years. I've got far too many friends who are devoted, hardworking employees who happen to work for the government. I know too many people in the law enforcement components of the federal government who are honest and upright, and they're appalled by what's going on. Make no mistake about that. This is huge. And the reason I'm talking about it is because, well, here, here's, here's a tweet from Polly Girl. She says, Jeff, I discovered I was one of those who had been following you and mysteriously unfollowed you. That's what happened. Now, if they can do it to me, they can do it to you. Why would they do it to me? Goodness gracious, just, you know, some humble little talk show host in Central Virginia. 
Why, why do I need to be shadow banned? Why do I need to be silenced? I don't know. Talking about the wrong things, telling people the wrong stuff, maybe. But that's terrifying. Now, you put that together with the fact that Congress has now voted to, number one, refer former President Trump to the Department of Justice for criminal activity. Nonsense, right? Of course it's nonsense. And you heard the smartest lawyer on God's green earth, Joe Moreno, a little bit earlier say, uh, please, it's ridiculous. But on top of that, they also said, hey, we're going to release President Trump's tax returns. I want to know under what authority. Who the heck said to you, you can take documents which allegedly are supposed to be private and then just stick them out there for everybody? It makes no sense unless there's just certain people you don't want holding power. Jeff, in for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Jeff Katz, happy to be sitting in for Glenn, normally heard on News Radio WRVA, beautiful, beautiful Central Virginia. Contact details, well, 1 727 Beck. That remains the same. 1 727 Beck. If you want to shoot me an email, happy to take a look at it. Jeff at thejeffcatshow.com. Jeff at thejeffcatshow.com. And then over on Facebook and Twitter, uh, you're looking for uh, Jeff Cat Show, and I'd appreciate a like or a follow over there. students who said dear jeff my dad and i listen to your radio program every afternoon on news radio wrva we know about your daughter julia and special needs that she has and you always refer to her as your princess i want you to know about our princess in the morrissey household my sister emily and P.J. Morrissey, who was then a high school student who is now getting ready to uh, graduate from college and himself make a big difference in the world, he told me about Emily Morrissey. He told me about Emily's bracelets and emilysbracelets.com. And to put it mildly, I've become a fan. And it's not that I'm always wearing a bracelet from emilysbracelets.com. It's just that I, I wear them every day that ends in Y. If it's a day that ends in Y, then I'm wearing at least one, if not more, bracelets from emilysbracelets.com. 
But you need to know the story as well. And so I have asked PJ to uh, to join us, and I'm happy to say that he's here. PJ, thank you for being with us. Jeff, thank you for having me. I'm absolutely thrilled to be here. The uh, The pleasure is mine, my friend. I, I, I just want you to tell the story of Emily and Emily's bracelets and Emily's bracelets.com. Do you mind? Of course not. Um, it's been uh, four years now of Emily's bracelets, if you can believe it or not, Jeff. Wow. Um, yeah, I know. It's crazy. And um, our success is uh, much thanks to you and other people like you. Um, as for Emily, uh, as you mentioned, Emily's my older sister. Uh, she's 24 years old and suffers from cerebral palsy and uh, the many challenges that come with it. Uh, CPs are di- different for everyone that has it, and uh, for Emily, it uh, manifests into global delays, uh, in particular, gross and fine motor skills, cognitive skills, and her speech. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jeff, despite Emily's deficits and challenges, Emily's more fortunate uh, than all of us because she has a way of looking at things that not everyone else has. Um, she can see the good in people and not judge them before even getting to know them, which is extremely, uh, I would say, rare in um, today's society and um, something that's truly amazing. Um, as you can attest, her smile is absolutely infectious. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because it's genuine. You know, when she's smiling at you, she's reflecting back at you the good that she instantly sees uh, in you uh, through that smile. Yes. And um, so, you know, um, the uh, job force for um, disabled uh, folks is uh, rather, uh, rather uh, scarce, might I say. Uh, yeah. 80% of uh, adults with disabilities are not active in the workforce. And um, because of this, uh, you know, my family and I were worried that after high school, uh, Emily wouldn't have uh, anything to do. And she would just um, end up sitting on the couch watching Peppa Pig all day, yeah, <laughs> which she might not mind. But right. um, <laughs> Um, she had been uh, making bracelets uh, ever since uh, occupational therapy started um, soon after she was born. And uh, so she's been doing that for 24 years now. And um, back in 2018, um, we came up with the idea uh, to start Emily's bracelets um, as it harnesses uh, that unique skill level of uh, stringing beads onto um, an elastic string, which is really amazing if you think about it, considering how much her um, fine motor skills are affected by her cerebral palsy. Right. Um, her occupational therapist and physical therapist just did an amazing job, and um, it's given her a true purpose. And, um, you know, that's how Emily's bracelets was born. Um, she used to be painfully shy. Uh, to the extent that she was diagnosed with selective mutism, which, Jeff, I'm sure that blows your mind because every time you see her, she talks your ear off. Um, but getting her to talk to anyone outside the family was extremely difficult. Um, but shortly after we launched this business, uh, her teachers, her therapists, everyone noticed a much larger sense of confidence in her. Um, and four years later, she's recognized all around town, which really boosts her confidence. You know, my dad was telling me that they went to Kohl's over the weekend and uh, somebody rolled down the window and said, hey, Emily, we love your bracelets, um, which I don't think any of us uh, would have ever expected. So it's been truly a blessing for us. I will uh, jump in and let everybody know that uh, emilysbracelets.com is where you go to uh, to get some of these beautiful bracelets. And uh, here's what I can tell you. A couple of details. Four years after starting this, PJ, Emily 
Emily just sold, made and sold her 19,000th bracelets 19,000 bracelets and I remind everybody that a portion of all of the the money and they're not expensive but a portion of all the money goes over to Special Olympics because Special Olympics has uh, played such a wonderful part in Emily's life Uh, the idea that Emily was at some point painfully shy I have to tell everybody Emily is busy she's in parades as the Grand Marshal she's throwing out the first pitch at baseball games in Central Virginia. And one of the things that uh, Emily and uh, everybody there, Kristen and Dan are her uh, parents and PJ, uh, you've taken a special shine to people who serve with with special bracelets honoring law enforcement and firefighters and EMS and corrections officers in every branch of the military, right? Yes, sir. Um, like you said, um, we've just sold our 19,000, uh, bracelet and, um, you know, uh, a big part of those 19,000 bracelets were our, uh, first responder line as well as our uh, military line, um, which, uh, you know, we are proud to support, um, both of those groups of people. And, um, as you mentioned, uh, we do donate a, a portion of every bracelet sold to uh, charity, primarily the Special Olympics. And um, as of today, we have raised over ten thousand uh, dollars for the Special Olympics, but also for other organizations such as uh, the Friendship Circle and um, a Better Understanding. Um, so that's really great to see. Um, and uh, as you know, Jeff. Um, Emily's Bracelets was recently voted the best jewelry store in Richmond by the uh, Richmond Times-Dispatch. She beat out some uh, long-running winners, uh, which um, definitely helped um, her ego. Well, uh, emilysbracelets.com won as the best jewelry store in all of Central Virginia. And there are, as you say, there are a lot of heavy hitters. And there's there's not a I mean, there's not a showroom. Emily is is in the living room at the uh, the Morrissey home working all day and and working her uh, her fingers to the bone. Right. Making these bracelets. But uh, she beat out everybody, which which gives I hope folks around America, as they're hearing this story, uh, a little insight into just how much difference Emily and her bracelets have made in our community here. To me, it's just uh, so heartwarming and so inspiring. And I I, I want people to go there. I mean, I want people to go to emilysbracelets.com, no doubt about it. And I'm going to tell you something. If if you are a mom or dad of a, a special needs kiddo, you, you understand exactly what PJ said a moment ago. Employment opportunities for our kids are scarce. That's that's a kind description. And to think that the Morrissey family set up a business. I mean, Emily starts working with these beads as part of her, her occupational therapy and finds she has a real talent for it. I mean, you you have to see some of the amazing beads, and they start off with the the plastic beads, these pony beads, and and, and then we've got wooden beads, and then they've got glass beads now for every occasion. Uh, it's getting to be Christmas time, and I don't know what your stock is on Christmas bracelets. Have you got have you got Christmas bracelets that can you, you can get in the uh, the mail today, tomorrow, PJ? Well, Jeff, let me tell you, uh, this year we actually doubled the number of bracelets sold for the 22 Christmas line, and wow. it is completely sold out. Uh, every single 
uh, skew that uh, Emily designed is sold out for the season. That but being said, offer, though, I bet you have some right, that exactly. can still go out. <laughs> that being said, uh, we still do offer uh, a bunch of different designs. Um, like, like you said, starting with acrylic beads, uh, we then added wooden beads, which have uh, grown in popularity. And um, most recently released, uh, we have a line of six check glass beaded bracelets and those are absolutely beautiful um one of my favorites for sure um especially the ruby red one and then um other lines to check out on emilysbracelets.com uh we have an awareness line first responder military lines and of course the classic line which are all the bracelets that have been in emily's collection since the beginning wow you mentioned that uh, you're also donating money, not just to the Special Olympics, but uh, uh, here in Central Virginia, supporting the uh, the Metro Richmond Police Emerald Society uh, Line of Duty Death Fund, Friendship Circle. I, I'm I, I'm so honored that uh, Julia, my Julia, has a bracelet that uh, is named for her. It's in the Friendship Circle colors of, of teal and purple, features a little music note. And so uh, if you are sitting back as many of us are guys especially saying huh what's that christmas is you said four days away geez probably should have bought something i'm telling you right now you you can go to emilysbracelets.com you can find some of these beautiful bracelets but more importantly you'll be supporting a young lady who is making a difference you'll be supporting a family who chose to help their daughter their sister make a difference and i'm i'm hoping that you and i will step up today and and make a difference for them and, and visit emilysbracelets.com you can read more of the story you can check out the bracelets you can get them you cannot get them whatever you want to do but but check out that website and and just learn more pj it is it is always a pleasure to uh, to chat with you i am always to put it mildly inspired by emily but really heartened uh, by you and your mom and your dad when I see the the passion and the devotion uh, that you bring to helping Emily and helping emilysbracelets.com and helping disabled folks in our community. You you guys are the best of the best, and I, I appreciate you being here. Thank you, Jeff. Um, and you know, much of this wouldn't be possible without you. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. That is PJ Morrissey. And again, I'll, I'll send out the link on uh, social media if you didn't hear it. And, and oh, somebody asked me to spell my last name. People are putting in, you know, like with the C. No, K-A-T-Z. So on uh, Twitter, Jeff Katz Show. And I'll get that link out there. You can take a look at it. It is Jeff Katz in for Glenn. It is the Glenn Beck Program. It's the Glenn Beck Program. Jeff Katz, happy to be sitting in for Glenn today. Katz, K-A-T-Z. You know, it's so weird. Uh, depending on who you are, where you are, where you grew up, you hear a name and you go, oh, of course I spell it such and such. But a couple of us said, Jeff, I looked for you. It's it's like the, the feline, right? No, we're dog people here at the Katz household, which I know is bizarre, but it is K-A-T-Z. I'm going to get President Trump's tax preparers. Why? Well, because apparently President Trump did exactly what everybody in America wanted to do, what we want to do, what we all want to do moving forward. We all believe that we pay too much in taxes, right? Well, you have to pay your fair share. Okay. I I, I feel that many of us are paying our fair share and then somebody else's fair share as well. But 
There is a system. There are rules. And you have to follow the rules. I acknowledge that. I accept that. It's what I've done my entire life. And so I sit down when it's time to do the taxes. Sit down with my uh, my little uh, computer program. I don't know. Taxes or us or whatever the heck it is. And I don't have a lot to put in. Not just money. Believe me, not a lot of compensation. But I, I've got uh, compensation, right, for my job. Eh, a little business that I, I put in. And then the, the, the tax computer guru, genie, magician, whatever the heck is in that little box, uh, they do all the numbers and they say, okay, here's how much you paid. Here's the uh, minimal amount of money that you will be getting back. And I sit back and I gripe and I moan. I complain. And I go, okay. And I push submit. And I wait for my, my $27 or whatever it is to, uh, to be returned. Isn't that what we all do? I mean, seriously, isn't that what we, we all do? Some variation of that. Let's say you've got a, a bigger business. And I don't know what sort of a business it would be. I always use two friends of mine who have businesses. I've got dear friends who own and operate an auto repair shop here in Central Virginia, certified auto repair. And I always refer to Stan, who's the, the owner. Well, actually, he's not the owner. Now that I think about it, it's his wife who's the owner. I mean, Stan is a grown blank man and all, but he, he ain't the owner. Uh, but I look at them, and I think, man, you you got a great business. You employ people. You're living your American dream. And by living your American dream, you're helping other people live their American dream. And I've got friends who own a, a great restaurant right down the, sh- the, the road from me. And if you ever do get to Central Virginia, and I'm inviting you, come to Hanover County, come to Ashland, little, that tiny little bucolic town. It's so different from where I grew up. I grew up in Oxford Circle, Northeast Philadelphia. Grew up in a row home, right? 50 houses on each side of the street. You had windows in the front, you had windows in the back, unless you were really, 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 really super lucky. And you had uh, you had a house in the end. Well, then you had windows on three sides. I was about 18 years old before we had a house. My folks had a house that had windows on all four sides. I uh, look back on what my view was as a kid growing up. I looked out that, that window, I saw an alley with trash cans. So the fact that I'm up here now, where I am in the country, basically, is amazing. And you should come here. And if you do come here, by the way, you will get to see a sandwich named in my honor. (laughs) Jake's Place at Ashley, which is pretty cool. But all of that being said, my friends Wendy and John, who own that restaurant, well, they've got a business, and so they have people do their taxes. And my friends Stan and Megan, well, they've got to have somebody help them out with their taxes. I don't have that. But everybody's in the same situation. That is saying, you know what? We have paid our fair share. We believe in doing what is right. But by gosh, we need to follow those rules. We need to take a look at what is legit and what's not legit. And that's where you get the accountants. That's where you get the the tax attorneys. These guys actually read and digest every single part of the tax laws.
And they can say to you, yes, you can do this, but you can't do that. You can't do this, but you ought to do this. What do you think President Trump did? Do you think that somebody who has about a billion dollars trusts the online taxes are us? Or does he have the best attorneys and accountants say, hey, guess what, Mr. Trump? We're going to save you money. I'm more impressed, frankly. It is Jeff Katz in for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. It's the Glenn Beck Program. Jeff Katz, happy to be sitting in for Glenn. Looking at uh, the information. I can't even call it information. Infor- the Propaganda? Yeah, I think propaganda is probably the way I'm going to have to go here. It's from Politico. Trump's income taxes were often paltry. Newly released documents show. Is that bad? Honest to goodness, do you know anybody anywhere in your circle? I mean, real honest to goodness people. Anybody say, "Ah, I am just not paying enough in taxes. I've never met that person. Maybe there is somebody like that. There could be. We lived for years in Massachusetts. And there was a second tax rate. It was the regular rate, which I don't know, say it was 5%. And then there was the super duper boy, I just have way too much money. I think it was 7%. And all you had to do, if you really believed that your taxes should be higher, all you had to do was click that little box. Check that little thing on your form. And so all of these self-righteous, condescending, smarmy bottom feeders like John F. Kerry and the rest of them, you know what they did? Oh, they didn't check the extra tax box. Of course not. They just wanted to take your money. The phonies and the frauds and the hypocrites. The Elizabeth Warrens. Focahontas, one of the worst of the worst. It's it's amazing to me to think that there are real people who believe, well, I'm going to vote for them. You know, I'm, uh, I've always voted for this party. Well, maybe you should stop. Maybe you should stop. Well, Jeff, but I'm, I mean, that's, that's, it's my team. You know, I got the t-shirt, the cap, the whole thing. I understand. Sometimes you have to change allegiances. Every once in a while, maybe, just maybe, let's think for ourselves. I grew up in Philadelphia, as I told you, and and so everybody was a Democrat, just the way it was. The weird thing was we were all what we would call Scoop Jackson Democrats, Lunch Bucket Democrats. Like our fathers got up and went somewhere to do something. For the most part... People on my street in my neighborhood, dads went to work, mom stayed at home, the way it was. And dads, in many cases, came home dirty. There's this whole change in America. 
when men started showering before they went to work. This this is my line of demarcation now. This is when I really do believe that our country changed and changed in a way that I, I don't know that we'll ever get the strengths of this prior time back. I hope we do. There was a time when men left their homes with their lunch bucket, their lunch box in hand, and they went and they went to a factory and they made something. Or they went to a job where, where they were digging, stringing wire, fixing something. Whether they went out in a, in a truck and, and fixed refrigerators or television sets. And those are businesses that for the most part don't really exist, right? Is anybody going to fix a television set? Check your Walmart flyer. You can probably get like five television sets for $8. And then when they stop working, you throw them away. It'll cost you, what, $25 to take it to someplace to, quote, recycle it? Cost you more to get rid of it than it does to get it. There was a time, though, that there were businesses that fixed television sets, giant television sets and radios with these tubes in them. My grandfather was a television repairman. He was initially a, uh, a radio repairman. And then when television came along, oh, well, I, mean, I can fix those too. And he did. It involved tubes and it involved solder and it involved hard work because you had to go out and get these giant television sets that weighed 200 pounds and wrestle them into your little truck, take them back to the shop, disassemble them, go in there with a, ha- with a, uh, a flashlight. Do the tests, figure out which tubes were good, which tubes were bad. You might have to use one of those was oscilloscopes, octopus scopes. You know the thing with the squiggly lines. The squiggly line scope. And you'd figure out which one didn't work, and then you would test it by taking it out and putting another one in. Maybe it worked, maybe it didn't. You went and you repaired cars. You figured out what was wrong with that car. And then you fixed it. And I got news for you. Every single solitary one of these jobs involved men getting dirty. Mike Rowe still talks about dirty jobs, doesn't he? No shame in a dirty job. There's, no, there's absolutely positively no shame in being involved in a trade or a craft. I just, I, for the life of me, I can't figure out how we screwed up so many kids by telling them, oh, you have to go to college. Why? I don't know, but you have to go. Go to trade school. Learn a trade. Learn a skill. Learn a, learn, learn a craft. You think all of a sudden cars are, are now perfect? I told you about my, uh, my dear friend, my brother from another mother who, who owns and operates the best independent auto shop in all of Central Virginia. That's a fact. People can't afford to go out and buy new cars, and people who can afford to buy new cars are finding, man, there are no new cars to buy. Better fix the old one. You think there's anything wrong with having the talent or the skill to get under the hood or under the car while it's up on the, on the lift and say, man, you see that? That's broken, but I can fix that. That ought to be a source of pride, and it is. What about when your sink's not working? Or even worse, your toilet's not working. Oh, see, my uncle Paul was a uh, plumber, and as a as a kid, I used to go with him some weekends and quote work. Now, my work was not actually learning how to do any plumbing. 
I had to carry stuff. I carried toilets up flights of stairs and down flights of stairs and bathtubs. You know, we'd have to do this or that or pipes. And let me tell you, this was fun. <laughs> this was long before there were any laws or rules governing anything. Right. My Uncle Paul had an old VW bus. The VW uh, vans. And in the back, he had a million different uh, pipes and wrenches and uh, pieces to uh, to be welded on and soldered on. No back seat, by the way. You know what I sat on? I sat on a milk crate in the back of that van holding on to big piles of pipes. And my Uncle Paul could fix stuff. Now, if you're in plumbing, of course, you want new construction because everything is nice and clean. But the reality is, if your sink's not working or your bathtub's not working, or your shower all of a sudden is, is spewing out mud or your toilet, forget about it, but it's not working, right? What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to go take another one of those three credit college courses to figure out what the uh, socio-political implications are of the French artistic. No, you're calling the plumber. Got to get it to work electricians i mean honest to goodness you you just pick a trade you pr- pick a skill you pick a craft we need people like this but we've told an entire generation don't work with your hands we ought to be ashamed of ourselves and this comes back to the business this comes back to donald trump and his tax returns donald trump built things he built buildings He employed thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Now, there are plenty of people say, Jeff, I just don't like him. That's okay. I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue with you one way or the other. You're absolutely entitled to say, I don't like him or his personality rubs me the wrong way. Or gosh, when he was on Twitter, those mean tweets, boy, they bugged me. Fair enough. But can you really sit back and say, this guy was, you know, he, he, he did what? He built things and he employed people. And now Democrats in the House of Representatives somehow, some way get his tax returns and they are utilizing their their useful idiots, their tools in the legacy news media ranks to somehow make Donald Trump into a villain because, frankly, he didn't pay that much in federal income taxes. I, for one, say good for you, Mr. President. That's what all of us want to do. We all want to pay our fair share and we all want to minimize what we have to pay. And that's why there are thousands of accountants and thousands of tax attorneys. And clearly, some of the best were employed by Donald Trump. I think that this whole thing backfires. If you want to talk pure politics, I think this whole thing backfires. I think as Democrats say, oh, Look at this. He didn't pay very much in taxes. There are going to be a couple of million Americans who say, wow, I wonder if any of his accountants are available because I'd like to minimize what we pay. I'd like to find more deductions. I'd like to find more this or that, whatever it is. I mean, I don't even know. Like I said, I go, I got my little computer program. I put it in it spits it out. I'm done. But wouldn't you like to be in that situation? I think most Americans would. And I, again, think this backfires on leftists. And, and that makes me happy. It's a little bit like the the banning of, uh, what's his name, Keith Olbermann from Twitter. 
I, I, I looked at that and I thought, well, I want to be sensitive and compassionate, but, but when your bathtub is filling up with, with liberal tears, you just get the rubber ducky and you sit in there and you enjoy the whole experience. So yeah, I'm, I'm back on Twitter and I'm looking for Elon Musk to do great things. If you want to follow me over there, I would appreciate it. I'm just going to, I'm uh, honest to goodness. I am just trying to rebuild the numbers that I used to have before Jack and the rest of those folks said, Hmm, conservatives. Nah, they don't need to talk to each other. Jeff cat show over on Twitter, Jeff cat show over on Twitter, uh, email. Of course you can always email me. You can go to the Jeff the Jeff There's a button there. You can uh, send an email that way and Facebook and you know, all of that good stuff. Please be sure you are checking out theblaze.com and glennbeck.com while you're online. It is Jeff Katz in for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. program. Jeff Katz, happy to be sitting in for Glenn from News Radio WRVA in Central Virginia. I've done a national show over the years. Now, I've done it one town at a time, I think, but it's still a while. Anyway, uh, Bob is actually listening up in Boston. Sends a note on Facebook. He says, Jeff, you were talking about trades. My son, Robbie, is an electrician apprentice currently working towards his journeyman license. Good for him setting himself up for a for a six-figure career. Nothing wrong with that. I think back to a, a friend I had when I was a kid. Lived down the street from us on uh, in uh, Oxford Circle in, in Northeast Philly. And he wasn't he wasn't the best school student. But man, he loved tinkering with stuff and taking stuff apart and putting it back together and making it run. And he realized, huh, well, I'm pretty good at this. So he went and became just like Bob's son is doing. He became an, an electrician apprentice and journeyman and what have you. Well, he wound up being one of the largest electrical contractors in all of Philadelphia. And if I understand his, his Facebook post properly, he's fundamentally retired plays hockey, sees his kids, sees his grandkids, has fun, goes scuba diving in the Caribbean. No college degree. And I'm not knocking anybody who has a college degree. There's certain things you have to have a degree for. I understand that. But as we are saluting people who have degrees, can we at least be honest and and, and, and just stop with this demeaning of people who, who make things and fix things? Because I got news for you. They're vital. They're vital to what it is that we're trying to do in America. And whether we are able to uh, succeed again, I don't know. I really don't know. I am so concerned these days with the great reset that, that Glenn has spoken about at length, with the, the shadowy, secretive, swampy actors who seem to be doing everything possible to dismantle what made this country great and demean the very people who made this country great. I mean, here I am in Central Virginia, Richmond, Virginia. We've got a mayor who's working overtime destroying history. It's like watching the Taliban up close and personal. 
It is sad. It's really, really sad. Now, you are fortunate. You check out theblaze.com. You check out glenbeck.com. By the way, if you check out glenbeck.com, please do what I've done. Sign up to receive the uh, the email briefs that come out. Um, you'll enjoy them. You'll get a lot of insight, a lot of information, a lot of important things. For me, I'd love for you to stay in touch. Go to thejeffcatshow.com. Send me a note, jeff at thejeffcatshow.com, or follow me on social media, Twitter. It's Jeff Cats Show. Have a Merry Christmas. God willing, we get the chance to do it again. Jeff in for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program.